Badlands. Explain those Badlands. That's a hell of a name. Hey, What's up, Welcome back, everyone, to episode three. We haven't been canceled yet, so that, that's good news from the start. Dude, every time we play that intro video, I get all jacked up, and I feel like I should be conquering a foreign land. Well, that's like a couple of weeks ago, you and I were talking before the show about how uh, how long the Power Hour intro is. It's like seven minutes, but it gets me so pumped every time we're about to record, because you're just like, yeah, that... Like slap my face, I feel like I'm in the locker room. Yeah, or <laughs> just run through a wall. Uh, I don't know if you know the significance of that, or at least the significance of that to to the uh, older Badlanders, Julian's rum. But when Trump made that comment uh, from South Dakota, we were actually live at, uh, getting ready for the Power Hour from Cocoa Beach, Florida. Um, so it was kind of, you know, we took it as. A serendipitous yeah. sort of, you know, universe nod. Maybe it wasn't a direct nod, but he, he did maybe his Trumpian was. thing where it was some plausible deniability it in there. Plausible maybe. deniability. He always peppers it in. It was pretty cool. We were literally getting ready to go on stage at, uh, at, at Cocoa Beach and people were like, did you see? Did you see Trump saying, how about those Badlands? How about that name? <laughs> right. So that was cool. The Badlands. God, dude, I, I wish I could do Shane Gillis's Trump impression. Uh, I don't I don't know if listeners out there know Shane Gillis, although a bit of a spoiler, we're going to be we're going to be discussing him here soon. But uh, I mean, it is a shot for shot remake of Trump when he does it. I, I have no yeah. idea how he captures it so well. But anywho, um, well, Beebs, uh do we want to get to some of those uh, those boosts that we missed last week? Yeah, so I wanted people to know, you know, we've got the Badlands boost option for people watching on the uh, on replays. Um, I was notified by our marketing team that there was a bit of an error where you guys have been able to submit boost to the Cultural Heretics show, but because they had added it last minute before our debut, the on the back end, they had didn't have it toggled to display. So um, we weren't actually able to see any of those boosts. So uh, we apologize for that, but we do have all of the boosts that were sent in for this show from the debut. So we really appreciate you guys doing that. And any boosts that come in from now on for this show are going to be displayed. So we're not going to miss them. But uh, our our boosts, first one, uh, pop the cultural heretics cherry is Stony Creek Girl. She sent one over for the debut for 10 bucks and said, love the new show. Thanks, BB and Julian's Rum. Just a short and sweet one there. We got uh, S. Connor 2020 who sent a hundred bucks in, said first time contributor to your first show together and a lurker in the chats if I catch you live. Wanted to thank both of you for all you do and have done. Finally heading to my first gart in Dallas. Looking forward to meeting whoever's there from Badlands in real life. Take care. Oh, thank you, sir. Very generous. Um, Badlands Dallas is, I mean, uh, gart Dallas is up in the air for me personally. I got some uh, scheduling conflicts, but I know Kyle's going to be there. I know a lot of people will be there. We're going to get Julie into one of these. I've got some scheduling conflicts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, that's when my Fed very boy, important. My uh, my Fed boy sort of training. I have to keep up on <laughs> my controlled opposition type stuff. So it's the same week. Uh, we got Texas Jules, a known Badland extremist, sent 10 bucks over. Said, congrats on the new show, guys. Welcome to the family, Julian's Rum. We Badlanders are a badass bunch. That is Toast correct. my goats. 
Fitness Missy sent 10 over, said, in regards to speaking freely and not worrying about angry speech police, I'm here for it. This is one of your cultural heretics, Captain, speaking. You can now remove your seatbelts and move and speak freely about the plane. <laughs> Good one, yeah. There was there, uh, there was a vocal minority of uh, people all mad about swearing and whatever, but they were drowned out by the even more vocal majority. So, Yeah, there was no going back. It. No. Mima Hunter sent 17 bucks over. Said, congrats on the new show. Love the concept. Did you see you earned the number 17 spot on Rumble Leaderboard for your debut episode? Very impressive. What a perfect number. Looking forward to your continued success. Didn't see I that. I did not see that. That's serendipitous. Uh, but on that note, if you guys like this show, especially because it's new, especially because we're in an afternoon time slot, whether you're watching live or on replay, if you hit the thumbs up button, that's what gets the show noticed. So... Um, we want to take over what Con Inc. is doing and do it in a just much less gay fashion. <laughs> Boozer sent a couple over. He sent 17 bucks total. Enjoyed the first episode. Think this will be an interesting show to watch grow. Also heard Patrick read Julian's Rum's article the other day on the adrenochrome trade. I went down that dark ass rabbit hole back in 2018. It was really hard not to black pill when it seemed like no one else cared about what was happening. I learned to cope by hoping there's more going on behind the scenes that we weren't aware of. Nice to hear the topic be brought back to the forefront from time to time. Sorry for the short story I wrote here, but in summary, I appreciate the work you guys do. Because my last rant was so long, he says, I felt like I should give more. Thanks for what you do. Oh, well, thank you and appreciate the read. Yeah, Julian's running his own sub stack at my bullying and uh, some good stuff there. Those uh, those topics are going to be evergreen, I think. Uh, rest Restyle Interiors by Sandy. Since 17 over, said JRBB, love the show. The shit woolery is epic and much welcome to my humble opinion. As a woman who used to work in a male-dominated field, sales, I can totally relate to your casual back-and-forth friendly banter. The subject matter is so based and on point. Woke bullshit be damned. Be damned. Much appreciated. Yeah, um, Chris and I, if anybody missed it, uh, Tuesday night we did Barbie, and Chris and I mansplained how, if only a man had been consulted on the making of that feminist propaganda we could have tell, told women how to release their propaganda and compile it in a more compelling manner. Um, so I hope that the women were educated by us telling them how they should criticize us. I've still managed to not see that film. You're missing out, man. A oh, couple I'm more. Sure Two painters for USA sent 10 bucks over, said, love your no sh new show. Badlands is my go-to media. Love the critical thinking. Regarding vegetarians, my sister is one but eats fish so she can call herself a veg aquarium. <laughs> pretty weird but thank you bullring film sent forty dollars and 17 cents said my first boost thanks for not having john on your show just kidding <laughs> keep the vibe high where the fighters and trump is in our corner i may get to myrtle beach and would be great to meet the crew we we gotta get julian's rum to myrtle beach at the very least john's already trying he's trying what are you saying it's hard saying it's gonna be hard to get you there <laughs> we'll Big see we'll us. see all right. And then one more for now. We got AJC sent $100 over and said, JRBB, congrats on your new show, Cultural Heretics. That's a hell of a name. It is a hell of a name. Yeah, I'll give that one to Biebs. He he coined it. I did. Uh, I, have, I have a way with that. I have a way with names and shitlordery in general. We will get the other. I'll grab these two rants that just came in to start the show. American Worker sent five bucks over and said, great show. And then Sparrow64 sent 25 over and said, thanks for perking up the 2 p.m. workday slump. The raunchier, the better. Love it. Well, we, we pushed the bounds on the raunchiness with the cake discussion last week. 
uh, Rogue from the X-Men and uh, didn't get in as much trouble by Mrs. Bright as I thought I would. In fact, she might have been a little excited by it. So we'll see. Well, my wife, my wife was just interested to learn a new slang phrase. I was surprised she mm-hmm. never heard cake before. Yeah. But now she's got it. Nice. She's got the phrase or she's got, hey, the cake? she's got the cake too. Nice. <laughs> nice. I, I am similarly blessed my friends. So anyway, uh, with that out of the way, should we hit our first couple sponsors before we get in Let's here? Do it. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell and I'm here to tell you about my new product from my pillow towels that actually work watch this absorbency test here's another towel that we randomly went out and bought here's one of my towels with a nice design i don't know if you can see this but you could line a swimming pool with this i mean this is crazy get rid of it towels that actually work what a concept i'm interrupting this commercial to let you know you can get our six piece my towels regular 69.98 now only 29.98 or you can save 25 percent on our brand new kitchen towels made with the same technology as our famous my towels also we have bath sheets bath towels washcloths hand towels and so much more and the best part with your promo code your entire order ships absolutely free so go to mypillow.com or call the number on your screen use that promo code to get deep discounts on all my towels and for a limited time your order ships absolutely free love mike lindell are you muted said hell yeah mike lindell he always gets me jazzed up about towels and pillows man yep all right right, next up the wellness company all right uh life is unpredictable if we've learned anything these past four years it's that while we can't possibly predict everything that might be thrown at us we can prepare for it introducing two new emergency kits from the wellness company the first aid emergency kit for everything from sports activities to camping trips compact and convenient this kit has critical prescription medications and supplies that everyone should have on hand. The travel emergency kit is specially designed for life on the go, compact, lightweight, and loaded with essentials for any adventure, whether it's a road trip, a hike, or just the unpredictability of daily life, you'll be ready. Next level readiness is at your fingertips with emergency kits from the wellness company. Stay one step ahead to have peace of mind for the unpredictable. Visit badlandsmedia.tv TWC and use the promo code badlands for an exclusive 10% difference difference discount that's badlandsmedia.tv slash twc promo code badlands 10 percent discount that's the first time i heard you fumble an ad read i know. I, I, I was gonna say like i just once i wish you'd fumble it and god my granted jimmy's, my prayers my jimmy's a rustled or something i don't know what's going <laughs> on but let's get into the flow then and uh start the uh save culture which is what we save do every week culture savers uh so first up is clown crown of the week um i'll be honest i i had a stew on this one for a little bit and i kind of went into in a direction i i didn't initially think i was gonna go i i like to avoid uh picking politicians for something like this i i know we're not heavily focused on the political arena i feel like it's it's more in the edges of what we're here to talk about but that said i mean there was no way i was gonna deprive our boy, hold on. Franklin the Turtle is finally calling it quits. <laughs> our boy, our boy Franklin, man, I um, you know when I saw it, I, I was, 
I was surprised at first. And then, you know, I was like, you know, it, it tracks. Um, I, Mitch McConnell, you know, even said something to this effect, like, you know, he may not be perfect, but he can read the writing on the wall, uh, which essentially he basically admitted to being an extinct breed of politician that this is Trump's party now. And Hey, I, I couldn't, I couldn't help but agree with him. Uh, he, it's one of the only things he got right. Uh, I'm, I'm so overjoyed to get his clown assery out of there. Yeah. Uh, the guy is such a neocon. Um, and, and this perfectly explains it too. this, this time article. If, if you can't see the screen, it says Democrats are about to discover how much they needed Mitch McConnell. Uh, yeah, it, it's true. Without Mitch, they, they wouldn't get, you know, they wouldn't prevent all their government shutdowns. They wouldn't get all those billions, uh, laundered through Ukraine. Uh, but I, I do have to say, I'm, I'm excited about what the future holds for the future uh, Senate GOP leader. I, is it possible we get Rand Paul or is that a pipe dream? I don't know. But God, can you imagine if you have Rand Paul as Senate GOP lead and yeah. Donald Trump in the White House? You want to talk about a meme storm? That's the perfect meme storm. I mean, Rand Paul already is a meme and so is yeah. Trump. So it'll just flow. And and you can bet that one thing that will stop flowing is money overseas. True. And we've got a, you know, speaking of Rand Paul, there's a lot of seeding that's been done. There's a lot of narrative seeding that's been done for years by him, especially, you know, one of the big public feuds in the sort of socio-political sphere, I think, over the last several years has been Rand Paul versus Anthony Fauci. And mm -hmm. uh, I feel like we have not gotten a finale to that to that war and i think that that could be in the offing in the future mcconnell's interesting to me um i i don't know if you've seen some of just humans takes on mcconnell uh kyle's been known to rustle some some jimmies and ruffle some feathers in this community because uh whether he's right or wrong he likes to play the kind of uh bicameral game and um i think a lot of people in the q community and awakening community we have a really easy time imagining, um, you know, trying to find sort of black hats, quote unquote, but we have a harder time imagining the inverse. You know, we know that the enemy infiltrates, but what about the inverse? Um, so Kyle sometimes looks at some of the some of the net effects of McConnell's reign and his tenure, especially during the Trump years, and sees that uh, by hook or by crook, he was compelled or willingly went along with the confirmation of a record number of... Yep. Uh, America first judges. Um, now, my read on this is that speaking of cake, I do think you get to have your cake and eat it too with these kind of situations. Um, this is why I get accused of being Switzerland, but it's also why I'm usually right. Um, the somebody like Mitch McConnell can be exactly what we think he is a swamp creature rat. Um, just because he did things that advance the America first agenda like Kyle puts forward, that does not mean this is a good guy. And I do not think that we should think of it that way. Um, I think he's a corrupt piece of shit. Uh, but these people are going to do whatever is in their best interest to do. And the white pill on that is that I think a lot of these swamp creatures were totally controlled by Trump, not because they were part of a plan, but because Trump had them all by the balls. He right. had them all by the balls when he went in there. And I think, um, you know, one more point on this is that the 2022 midterms, John Kyle and I took a lot of heat for saying that, you know, that wasn't going to go the way a lot of MAGA thought. We were, got, we were getting accused of being doomers. Um, but my personal read on that 
was that if the Biden administration and era is supposed to be an awakening era, we can't have control of Congress. The America right. First movement cannot optically be seen in control right now, which is why Mitch McConnell and all his cronies have acted as the perfect bits of narrative shielding for our entire movement. So I don't think we start winning until we get power back fully. Well, I, to your point, since 2016, you kind of saw you know, the House and the Senate constantly going back and forth between Republican slash Democrat control. Like they, it, it's rare that, you know, in those past seven years, we've held all positions of power, whether it's in the House or the Senate and the presidency. So to your point, you know, from a narrative point of view, it does sort of maintain that that balance and also plausible deniability. And as far right. as like who's figuring out, trying to figure out who's an actor and who isn't. I, I've gone down this road so many times. It's such an exercise in futility. All you can look at are the net effects. Uh, it's impossible really to discern who or who isn't acting to your point. You know, they, they might not, they might not have had another choice. Trump positions his pieces in certain ways that yeah. forces them to make one or two moves and, and they have to do it. One other thing I will say though uh, that interested me. First of all, I don't know if you saw my tweet about this. Did you know that Mitch McConnell served as the Senate GOP lead for 17 years? This is marking his no, 17th year. There, there's that friggin' number again. Oh, yeah. I did um, see that this morning, actually. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, the other thing I, I saw, I, I don't know if Mitch McConnell said this himself, but apparently he cited like his age and his health as one of the reasons that he's retiring, which is understandable. I mean, he's, he's had health issues like, for at least the past five years, but it begs the question, okay, well then why did you wait until 2024? And anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I keep harping on, don't follow for this whole, like, Oh, our politicians are too old. Cause what they're trying to do is cast this very wide net with like, okay, we can all agree that Biden's too old that Mitch McConnell's too old. Therefore, Trump Donald is too Trump. old. Yeah. So that's that's all it's aiming for. And and I can't help but think that there's a narrative play here, which is like, oh, Mitch McConnell is reading the writing on the wall. You know, like I'm too old, you know, to serve. Therefore, Trump is too old to serve. I don't yeah. know if that's what is actually going on, but I think you're going to start to see that messaging kicking into high gear. But it's also indicative of the fact that... <laughs> It looks like they're going to bounce Biden. I mean, you can't sit here and yeah. talk about age while also trumpeting Biden as your boy. I mean, either either they're going to sit there and talk about how geriatric people shouldn't be in the White House while just ignoring the fact that they have their boy Biden in there or they're about to replace him with someone else. Yeah, uh, I've been saying on the power hour for weeks that or for months that um my favorite scenario is Biden still being the nominee despite <laughs> a media turn against him. And I think we started to see that in January. I use the term um, media archipelago or deep state archipelago as something I've been kind of thinking about lately. I think you can see it in media headlines, whether it's the CIA in Ukraine, um, Joe Biden being too old and in cognitive decline, uh, whether or not Trump is even going to be on the ballot. I think that that's a white pill when you see the media not being able to get on the same page because I don't think they know what's going to happen. And I think right. um, I think one of the biggest potential white pills for us or best scenario 
is if Biden is our is the nominee, to me, it would be the biggest devolution proof that we have gotten because it would demonstrate, um, again, doesn't mean he's a good guy. You don't have to think about white hat Biden, but I think he's fully leveraged. I personally think that um, I think it's absurd to think that he just got into office and started declining rapidly. I think it's ridiculous to, to, to think that, but I know a lot of people do. Um, I think that he is basically acting out a play deal. Yes. Quite literally acting out a plea deal. I said play deal, plea deal. Um, I don't think that means he's going to get off on everything, but if they can't get him out of office, then it's because something else is going on there. If they're trying to get him out of office, it's because something else is going on there. They did not put this guy in there in order to turn around and try to get him out, guys. They wouldn't right. put in their preferred candidate that would have presented a stronger opposition to Trump. So nothing has really gone the way they have wanted, even though we're told that we've been losing for the past three years. So it's a well, weird scenario. If I'm remembering correctly, and I think Trump actually called Obama out on this, Obama waited a really long time uh, to basically give the go ahead to last Biden. minute. Yep. It was very last minute, which means that they were holding out for something or, or, or another candidate. And Again, Trump had him by the balls. Whatever it was, he knew that he had him right where they wanted. And they had no choice but to to force Joe Biden in there. And yeah. again, yeah, look, the last four years have sucked. Absolutely. However, a lot of people have been exposed to a lot of things they otherwise wouldn't have with everything with Hunter Biden, his laptop, you know, uh, and obviously just the day to day Biden. I'm of the opinion that he's acting too. Uh, from the get-go, it, it seems like a an, an easy cover to to yeah. get out of all your crimes. Like I don't remember anything, but yeah, I yeah, and that's possible too. He could right. be he could be acting not for us, but for them. So I I think that that's entirely valid as well. Uh, Cinco Cinco sixty four in the chat said Pence being announced as VP would be be a dig, bigger Devo proof to me. BB, um, I yeah, I agree with that, um, and I think it's coming, but we'll see. <laughs> it's just we'll see. It, 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 I, I'm I'm being selfish there. Because if that does happen, um, John, Kyle, and I are going to talk shit for three hours on a power hour. And if it doesn't happen, we're just going to move on and pretend that nothing But, ever. you know, that, that would be so on brand with Trump in the sense that, yep. you know, I always laugh when everyone's trying to predict his, his VP yeah. picks. If anything, y'all should know by now, he's unpredictable. You know, the, the, yep. the moment you think you've got to read on who he's going to tap, that's when he's going to tap someone out of left field. And yeah. Mike Pence would be a hilarious choice for so many different reasons. You know, I mean, it would be a big middle finger to essentially everyone that thought that, oh, you know, we got Mike Pence to throw on Trump. They hate each other. Yeah. And if he reels them back in, it's like, gotcha, bitches. Yep, exactly. How many? And there's there's a recent article that came out in Politico. And again, you don't have to think that these articles are true. It's just these are narratives being deployed by the enemy. There's a whole narrative being deployed. There are leaks coming from ostensibly Mike Pence's office about all of the other anti-Trump candidates who have been coming to him for advice on how to work with Trump. Uh, and they're coming off looking horribly in those articles. And it's really interesting for somebody who bowed out of the race and was the vice president of Donald Trump. It seems that he's sabotaging all of the people who are going against Trump by revealing them to Donald Trump as the traitors that they are. So, I mean, we'll see. Uh, 
But you want me to pick my, my crown clown? Yep. Let's let's roll it out. All right. This was uh this is a uh, Bitcoin's been in the news a lot lately. Uh, Russell on a lot of jimmies, and I uh, I thought that I would pick somebody who's been accidentally its biggest cheerleader. If you want to share my screen here, Jim Cramer. I'm sure most people know who he is. He's the, uh, what's it called? Mad Money. You know, the mainstream media's version of a stock trader. Um, this was January 22nd, 2024. He tweeted, unlikely that Bitcoin finds its footing. Um, that's before a historic surge in Bitcoin prices uh, that started the day after he tweeted this, which is pretty funny. Um, and then we've got... There is a fund now, there is an ETF that is called the Inverse Kramer Exchange Traded Fund. And literally all it does is bets the exact inverse of whatever the mainstream media's most famous financial analyst and commentator says. And this ETF is doing very well. The Inverse Kramer Index is up 115% since it, <laughs> since it has launched. Um, Jim Cramer's own stock trades and advice have a 4% annualized return over the last uh, 10 years. That is half the rate of the S&P 500, which is considered the most conservative type of investing that you can do. So Jim Cramer is literally statistically twice as bad at predicting anything as the median line of safe predictions. Um, so I use reverse indicators as a foundational core of how I look at the world. I actually look at the world more through reverse indicators than through positive indicators. Partly what you just brought up about Donald Trump is part of why, because I think that there's a lot of obfuscation that needs to come out with patriots and all that kind of stuff. All I look at is you use the term net effects earlier. That's one of my favorite, you know, things I throw out there. And when the mainstream media are are marching in lockstep against something you should like that thing and i think there's a lot of cognitive dissonance in this community uh that i used to fall prey to regarding bitcoin in particular because of all of the media programming and the pushing of cryptocurrency and central bank digital currencies etc 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 and uh, i find i find the mainstream reing about Bitcoin and Trump starting to massage his narratives about it to be pretty interesting. And uh, so anyway, the moral of the story there is if Jim Cramer says something, take it to the bank and do the opposite. Well, and, and just imagine how rich you could get if you, if you paired that strategy with following all of Nancy Pelosi's trades. Yeah, because right. she's, she's, she's beating the S&P every well. freaking day, man. Uh, so yeah, just... Bet the opposite of what Kramer says and bet with Nancy Pelosi and you're probably going to start rolling in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Let's jump into heretical hero of the week. So I, I mentioned uh, Shane Gillis earlier. Let me do a share screen here. So Slate wrote a re-article about him. It, for those who aren't familiar, uh, Shane Gillis got his start, oddly, on SNL. So he was hosting SNL uh, this past weekend for the first time since he was canceled from the show. Here's what's funny about him being 
on SNL. It was for less than a day. So he was announced as a cast member back in, in 2019. And then, and you can read the Wikipedia entry about this, but it says later that day, however, several clips of a 2018 episode of Shane's secret podcast uh, resurfaced in which Gillis and co-hosts made jokes and mock East Asian accents while discussing Chinatown and using an ethnic slur. Uh, defending the clip, Gillis insisted that while the jokes they made in the clip were regrettable, he feels the intent was misunderstood as the scenario they were joking about was when quoting a hypothetical 1940s white landlord in Chinatown and no malice or hate was intended. So essentially, the whole thing was, and I, I found this to be the case a lot, Shane Gillis was making fun of racist white people in the 40s right. towards Chinese people. And they were like, no, you can't do that. And for any Always Sunny fans out there, something similar happened. There were like probably five or six different episodes where one of the gang me uh, members of the gang dresses in uh, blackface. And the whole time throughout the show, they're talking about how racist it is. Well, Hulu removed every single one of those episodes from the library as, as well as Apple TV. So you can't even get them anymore. And what sucks is, some of those are their most classic episodes, but they're just gone, yeah. gone forever. But again, the irony is, it's like, look, they were making fun of people being people like Justin Trudeau, who are horribly racist and, and wear blackface and, and stuff like Joe that. Joe Biden, who, uh, as everyone famously knows, gave the eulogy at uh, was it Bird's uh, funeral. So, you know, known, known uh, KKK Cyclops yep. or whatever the hell they call those things. Uh, yeah, this, this is a great example. Uh, Shane Gillis, I'm, you know, I'm glad to see him kind of blowing up. I never followed him much, but now I do follow him more because of this sort of thing. Um, what, one thing I'll, I'll neg him on a little bit. Uh, I, I, I get it. I get the pressure. But um, stop apologizing to communist yep. retards. Uh, just stop apologizing. You go down several points in my book every time you do that. These are not human beings. They are not worthy of respect or acknowledgement in any way. They are little gremlins. They're communist pedophile gremlins, Satanists, a lot of them. Uh, they're just idiots. You know, that's the best sort of, that's that's the most generous way I could describe somebody. Uh, imagine being named Winky. Imagine being named Luke Winky and, and writing yeah. an article like this. Um, so <laughs> testosterone levels, that. yeah, testosterone levels probably not doing very well with most of the, the people. Uh, probably a lot of soy intake is what I would say is, is afflicting the communist uh, media um, I don't know if uh, pedophiles like soy more or if uh, having soy as a major part of your diet makes you attracted to small children, but there's some sort of connection there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's good to see Gillis sort of taking this heat, but I I, I am looking forward to the day when uh, more quote unquote celebrities just tell the establishment to, to go fuck themselves. Um, well. And there, to be fair an, to Gillis, though, that was back in 2019 when he apologized. Okay. So that when he apologized. I feel like that was before everything really went into overdrive. Uh, yeah. Everyone was still toting the line a little bit. If you've watched him recently, he's completely out of fucks to give, uh, especially if you caught his latest Netflix special. I, I actually, I want to play a clip from it real quick. Yeah, it's only ahead. like a minute long. Sec. The but, timing does matter. You're right. My uh, my whole family, when we were watching this, just dying laughing. Share screen. I don't see any. Oh, here we go. 
I don't have audio on my end. I don't think audio is working, Julian. Great, I lost him. Wait, did you say the audio wasn't working? Yeah. <laughs> oh. I don't know. All right, that's that's enough happened. IT problems for the day. Anyways, it's a funny <laughs> clip. Uh, it, it's called Shane Gillis has an uncle Down syndrome. I I highly recommend watching it. Um, but on that note, we'll we'll move to your uh, heretical hero of the week. Yeah. Good one, though. Uh, so this is going to be a theme. I'm going to cheat today because uh, I'm all excited this week. Uh, you jumped the gun on this whole topic, but I'm going to use it a couple times today. My uh, my heretical hero of the week is Denis Villeneuve, the French-Canadian director of Dune and Dune Part 2, which comes out tomorrow slash tonight. Um now, is Denis Villeneuve based? I don't know. Probably not. He's a Hollywood guy. He's an artiste, right? Um, so it's not to do with politics. Uh, I, I found this interview with Variety Magazine, one of the main narrative setters in Hollywood, to be uh, really interesting. Uh, obviously, I liked the first Dune movie. Julian liked it. You know, it's, it is great. The Dune, the Dune novel's fantastic. It's a work of, you know, legend in American fiction. Um, but I liked the way Denis addressed the state of current filmmaking uh christopher nolan is a is a fan favorite director i'm a big fan of christopher nolan i will admit though that sometimes i find christopher nolan's interviews to be very boomerish they remind me of martin scorsese where he starts it's it's sort of the old man yelling at clouds take where he's like yeah there can only be the cinema and people should go to the cinema um but Villeneuve here, I think, hits on a few things. He's trying to drill down into what the problem is with modern filmmaking and uh, basically, is it salvageable? He has a few quotes in here. Um, just to give you an idea of what's in his head as a filmmaker and why he's so unique, says here, frankly, I hate dialogue. Dialogue is for theater and television. I don't remember movies because of a good line. I remember movies because of a strong image. Uh, pure image and sound is the power of cinema. Um, I don't, I don't really agree with him fully there, but it just not on that one. Yeah, but it just shows where he's a unique guy, right? He's a visionary director. Um, I think it makes his dialogue stand out more when he uses it. Uh, but he's got a couple things in here where he says, um, "Okay, so down here, he says, uh, Dune, so Dune Part Two is the latest blockbuster to flirt with the three-hour runtime mark. Not that Villeneuve was ever worried about making a film that's too long. He split Frank Herbert's Dune novel into two films as to properly adapt the dense storyline. Um, he said, quote, I trust the audience. This story's too dense. I would never make Dune as one movie. This was the only way I could succeed. Also, think of Oppenheimer, he continued. It's a three-hour rated R movie about nuclear physics that, that is mostly talking. But the public was young. That was the movie of the year by far for my kids. There is a trend. The youth love to watch long movies because if they pay, they want to see something substantial. They are craving meaningful content. And I 100%. love that he put this out there, right? It sounds very obvious. But for it, he is the guy right now in, in the creative sphere. Liberals love him. Conservatives love him. He's just, he's at the top of his game as a filmmaker right now. For him to go out there and avoid the woke, avoid the culture war topics and avoid politics and just say, do you know what people want in movies? Good movies. That's it. 
It has nothing to do with a 90-minute runtime and more showings no. that you can fit into your theater. It has nothing to do with CGI or any of this bullshit. Kids, adults, everything in between, all they want is good movies. And I think if there's Correct. a white pill here, we are seeing some some better movies that, that are broaching three hours, that are about, they're not about previous IP, they're not things that have been done before. Oppenheimer um, is an example of that. Whenever you think of nuclear theories and all that, it was just a movie about physics. And it was the biggest, one of the biggest movies of the year. While the MCU is falling on its face and Disney is hemorrhaging cash. So I think uh, it was kind of a base take. And I'm glad to see, it, it carries more weight when he's also making bangers of movies that are yes. making a lot of money, right? Well, here's the thing that he's really touching on, which is the corporatization of filmmaking. Uh, you know, what they're doing now is applying all of these these algorithms. You know, okay, the algorithm says that with this demographic, it should be an hour and 45 minutes. This is what the release date should be. Uh, here's what the plot point should be. This is essentially what Disney did uh, with its revamp of all the Star Wars films. They basically were just like, hey, we've got to remake the originals versus being original because we know that those worked and that those are a solid business model. So we'll just throw that at the retarded masses all over again and just yeah. dress up everybody a little bit differently. But everybody noticed immediately. They're like, oh, yeah. all, with the first film, they got away with it a little bit because there was that hunger for nostalgia, seeing the Millennium Falcon again, things like that. But man, by the time that second, I can't even remember, it's so terrible. I don't even remember what the second movie was called. Everyone was just over it and they saw what it was. It was just a big corporate money grab and yeah. no effort was put into the storytelling. That's what I think Dennis is trying to say is that people are hungry for good storytelling. Yes. That it's a universal human truth that people love good storytelling, period. Absolutely. I, the problem is, is that nowadays we, touched on this plenty of times is that it's less storytelling and more about propaganda or reiterating to you what you never watched on MSNBC last week. So since you didn't watch morning Joe, they're going to slide it into, you know, one of the new MCU movies. Yeah. And that's the kind of shit that people can't stand. I don't care if you're left, right. People don't go there for that. It's the, it's the same thing. You don't go to sporting events to be just barraged with, all these political actions, like, man, that's the reason we're here in the yeah. first place. It's the weekend. We're trying to drink beer and have a good time, not watch a bunch of bitch boy Travis Kelsey's get on one knee and take 75 Pfizer shots and then tell me I should give up my guns. Like, bro, just catch the pass and score a touchdown. Uh, yeah, man. I, I would also say, too, it's important that we, uh, you know, this happens far left, far less on the right than it does on the left. Obviously, the left communist kind of control. They're traditionally the artists of American culture. Um, I think that that's a problem. I think that's been a problem that conservatives uh, have not grappled with. You know, Chris and I call ourselves the token liberals of Badlands. But the funny thing is, we both had kind of artistic lives, which a lot of um, a lot of modern conservative America, they've abandoned what literally I mean, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but it's as you said about storytelling, it's literally what makes us human. Uh, yes. Being human doesn't matter if nothing is created, whether you're literally creating life or you're creating art or you're creating inspiration and ideas and expressing yourself. Nothing matters if, if we're, you know, the, the foundational civilization that conservatives are much better about uh, um, cultivating and preserving and conserving than communists are. 
Uh, the problem is, what are we conserving if we're not creating anything? And right. uh, I would also say that this lesson should be applied to the, the quote-unquote right, the controlled opposition right of the Daily Wire when they're trying to make movies now, and they suck. They're worse than the they're worse than the communist propaganda that's coming out of the left because they're doing the same thing that you just mentioned. The people on the right, the people in Con Inc., they're trying to make movies with political messaging at the forefront, but it's MAGA political messaging. And they right. think because it's better political messaging, there'll be better movies. Nope, they suck. In fact, the communists make way better movies than Ben Shapiro and all his Con Inc. buddies Bro, at the Daily Wire. It was so cringe. I, I couldn't watch any of it. I was like, and again, it blows my mind that they don't understand this stuff. It, it's like we don't want the flip side we just want the middle path where we could go yeah. watch you know frodo baggins run around middle earth or, or yeah. whatever it may be i, I don't want to watch matt what's yeah. his name matt knowles or you know ben shapiro what, what was that movie called it was like bad dads or something it was remember. like all about oh, yeah yeah trans yeah. people or some shit it's like again man i don't need to don't want to see memes in movie yeah, don't form see it like ben shapiro yeah. god dude that there, guy you're even seeing it in the media right now with dune where um you know it's kind of a cautionary tale paul atreides is one of the enduring characters in um in genre fiction and you've got leftist slate.coms of the world trying to trying to draw trump analogs to him as a cautionary tale and then you've got right-wing blogs trying to talk about uh, that he's a populist like obama and he he, he recalls che guevara and stuff like that it's like you know who Paul Atreides recalls? Paul Atreides. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a fictional story and it might have analogs to the real world. But guess what? Frank Herbert didn't write the 1965 Dune, no matter what a communist tells you, to commentate on 2024 American politics. So just shut up and enjoy the story. If it makes you think, then that's good. And, you know, you can have debates about it, but they're trying to reverse engineer it and turn what is now an objectively good movie into uh, either communist or MAGA America First propaganda and just stop. <laughs> it's like everybody stop, stop. Exactly. <laughs> before we uh before we move on to the next uh segment, I did want to say I it didn't surprise me that Denis Villeneuve, I always mispronounce his goofy ass Canadian French name, uh, when he was talking about how much you know the was it visual elements and the audio elements matter to him. That is plainly evident when you go see any of his films. They yeah. are majestic as far as the audiovisual goes i mean one of the most iconic scenes from the first dune was when the sardaukar is doing the throat singing if, if you haven't oh, seen yeah, that yeah. scene i highly recommend it but uh i will be going to see dune part two this uh this weekend with my wife going tomorrow Probably, yeah I, who i should mention it blew my mind when she thoroughly enjoyed dune i was not me too man mrs all. bright loved it I thought she was gonna like humor me with it and just be like, it was fine, whatever. But she she went she went and uh, got Dune Messiah from the library and started reading it after we I was like, what is happening here? It, what I, I don't know but, if it was Zendaya or, or what it was, but she couldn't get enough. It's, it's a great movie. All right. Trash trends, bros. Uh this one is really more just a sick trend, and and I hate that. We even have to talk about this in the year 2024, but here we are. Let's see. Yeah, so for those of you who aren't familiar, Lake and Riley, the uh, UGA student who was murdered by uh, an illegal from Venezuela, I believe it was last week, 
uh, I, I'm actually from this area. It, it's been all over the news. The more news that comes out about this, the more infuriated I get. It turns out this guy who killed her, uh, he was, first of all, he crossed the border. They caught him. ICE let him go. Then he was arrested in New York for another crime. I believe it was, I think he was stealing a car or something like that. Uh, and then his was arrested in Athens uh, and he was released as well. And then finally what happened with poor Lake and Riley, she was I believe jogging uh, like on a Thursday morning yeah. or something past the intramural fields. And this sick son of a bitch, uh, he, he kidnapped her, raped and murdered her, uh, threw her body in the, in the forest. And I think this goes without saying what, what is so infuriating about this is that, it was entirely preventable. It, like three times it was preventable. Uh, and they just kept letting this guy go. They let his ass walk right through the border. They, they let him walk right out of jail when he got arrested that first time. And it's that kind of stuff that just makes you, that's what makes people, in my opinion, doom pill more than anything yeah. else. When you see stuff right. like this, because <clears throat> it's hard not to be infuriated, especially as, I mean, think about what it's like to be her parents. You know, yeah. I, we all know that murder will always happen. It's not a hundred percent preventable, but this is one of those times where, geez, man, there were like three or four different checkpoints where you could have easily prevented this man from entering the United States. And you know, we got like a week of coverage when George Floyd was killed. You know, it was nonstop CNN coverage you know, 24 seven, you know, candlelight vigils. And then when late Lake and Riley gets killed at UGA by an illegal immigrant, mainstream media doesn't say a damn word about it. Yeah. I, I, I went on a uh, <clears throat> bit of a rant last night, somewhat connected to the border, but where, uh, you know, I think sometimes the meaning can get lost and I understand, I understand why um, you, you're right to bring up um, why people kind of rage out and doom out about things like this that are real tragedies that happen that, like you said, the key word there is preventable. Uh, knowingly is one of those words that comes to yep. us from the drops that I think a lot of us think of. Uh, Ghost is in the chat saying at a certain point, politicians have to be charged with third degree murder. Um, yeah, other than politicians, I mean, I think you could apply that more strongly to people within the justice system who knowingly allow these type of criminals out, knowing exactly what they're responsible for. And I just um, posted about this on Twitter, yeah. uh, X, excuse me, that these, it was a judge in Austin, I believe mm -hmm. overturned, uh, you know, the, the catch and release rule or, or basically said that ice is not allowed to keep any of these illegals. And to me, that judge should then be criminally responsible for right. any criminal acts that those illegals commit after the fact. And my, my spin on it is not meant to be a spin, but um, it's not to say that any of this stuff, uh, like what happened to Lake and Riley, is part of the plan. That's not what I mean. What, what, what I think is going on here is that, you know, we think devolution and continuity of government, if it's in effect, is being used to pre prevent national or preserve national essential functions. Uh, but there is, a, the as we always say, the enemy gets a vote, right? And I think that um, it's about taking stuff like this and while it's a tragedy that it happened, it's leading people into accelerate an accelerationism mindset that I think is positive, where uh, it's trending nationwide right now. It's breaking through 
censorship algorithms and the rest of it. And the reason it's doing so is because people have, uh, the mask is off the establishment, right? Uh, John was talking last night in a different context about uh, Fannie Willis and how, you know, these, besides Fannie being a meme and Jack Smith and all the rest of it and Engeron, the, the judge in one of the Trump cases, um, it's not really about them. It's about where the strings lead and those strings lead mm -hmm. to George Soros, those Sor Sorosian judge judges and everything. And the Trump case is what's most political, but those same kind of judges are, are who are directly responsible for what happened to Riley here. It's, and that's what they have to, that's what they have to expose. You know, Trump, Trump couldn't just, the, the, when people were looking for mass arrests and everything they were looking for white hats to come in and magically purge the entire system of corruption but do it without being dictators which isn't possible right no. you've got to do this on a certain process there's certain limits that these people have and they do need public mandate for it so i, I do not believe that these things are part of the plan but i do believe that it but that boosting them this is happening all the time but lately it's it's becoming much more mimetic in a just in a viral way and uh, people are getting pissed off. Uh, there was a Gallup poll that came out this week from February data that showed um, that bipartisan, the biggest bipartisan issue to prospective American voters in 2024 is border security and immigration. And that's where I try to spin these things as positive. It's not the events. It's to say, at least this time, enough seeding has been done about the problem that more Americans will stop arguing about politics and start focusing on who is the enemy. The enemy is the system, and the system is what did this to this woman. Yes, this man did, but the system allowed this woman to, to do it, and it's exactly what Trump and Patriots have been pointing out for since, since he came down the escalator. He's been talking yep. about these things happening, and it, it's uh, well, a tragedy. These things, but... it, it is a tragedy, and, and I hate it, but yeah. if there's a silver lining to it, the, these things are becoming unavoidable for people. It, it's now happening amongst us in our daily lives. Uh, I, I mentioned this in a, in a tweet the other day where, you know, these hotels are serving as these illegal housing, essentially. But what is so insidious about this is that what they're doing is they're essentially taking crime into low crime areas. So if you have a bunch of like, Hilton extended stays and say a really nice part of town, but then you dump a whole bunch of illegal immigrants into that extended stay. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to have burglary, theft, you know, violent crime. All these things are going to spike in those areas. And that's exactly what's happened near my wife and I's house. Uh, we, you know, we, we've had shootings and things like that. that you would have never, ever seen before 2020. And all of a sudden yeah. these things are spiking. Now it's not just illegals. It's, that's what's so sick about what they're doing. They're creating general chaos and they're they're mixing right. it all together. But people are noticing and people are like me and you, they're getting pretty damn sick of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking of El Salvador, I mean, this was, um, I don't know if this is where this migrant was from. There was another He was from Venezuela. Migrant, Venezuela. There was an El Salvadoran one who killed a two-year-old uh, the other day. Um, the Speaking of El Salvador, though, we talked about this last night. Uh, if you have the public mandate on your side, then you have the mandate to do things that you otherwise did not have the mandate for. In El Salvador, President Nayib Bukele, um, Bitcoin maximalist, which is just interesting, uh, he rounded up 66,000 
MS-13 gang members who are awaiting mass trial in that nation. You know who's losing sleep over that in El Salvador? I'd say 66,000 people. Yeah. Other than that, that's it. nobody's losing sleep over that. So many such cases, I hope, in the future. Um, well, we my my trash. That. Go ahead. I was just going to say mad respect to that guy. He did what had to be done. Uh, and as far as the, the mandate goes, that's exactly what 2024 is. I, I've said yeah. this before. It, it's not so much an election as it is a mandate. This is the people speaking loudly and clearly that we're sick of this shit. Trump is our baton and we're going to put him back in to take care of all this because we're done. And if they do steal it from us again, which is entirely possible, imagine the mandate for wholesale changes Ooh. to all of our systems, which is why, bizarrely, some people kind of root for that because they look at the, you know, Chris Paul, Patrick Gunnels. Um, I know John kind of leans that way as well. They look for wholesale changes to our election systems so that this kind of stuff can't just be reversed as soon as Trump's mm -hmm. out of office. So it's the infinite oh. game mentality. We'll see. Uh, my my trash trend is a little little lighter. Go a little lighter on this one. Um, I'm just going to use this as an example if you want to share my screen here. Uh, the way I'd kind of name this is IP skin suits. Um, you sort of alluded to this earlier, but we're talking about culture. We're talking about entertainment. So this is an old article. This is from 2022. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, the Halo, you probably heard of it, even if you're not a gamer yourself. Maybe your sons have played it. Halo is one of the enduring video games of this century of the last 20 years um, synonymous with uh, Halo lobbies, it it it, it bo bounded or bound a lot, bonded a lot of conservatives and Democrats together, uh, especially teenage boys who realized that uh, they could just be shitlords in Halo lobbies, <laughs> uh, kill each other in the video game, and um, you know just become friends and shit eating wild men. All the stuff we say. There's a streaming series uh, on one of the, I think it's Paramount or something like that, of Halo. And uh, just to give people an idea, Halo is supposed to be this, basically. You're supposed to have badass space marines, Spartans, they call them, super soldiers with turrets, miniguns. And in the TV adaptation, we got a girl not in the video <laughs> game who is the key to everything, a very diverse girl who has, like, mystical powers. And the whole show basically becomes Master Chief following this little girl who's the key to everything around. Um, he usually takes his suit off. Uh, the other Spartans who are strong, uh, you see the, the lines in the hair there to make sure that we know that she's a member of Antifa as well. She's totally better than Master Chief. Um, just used Halo as an example, but you can apply this to Rings of Power about the Lord of the yep. Rings. You can apply it to the Wheel of Time. I'm a fantasy fan, epic fantasy fan. And uh, what... What this trend is, is it is taking pre-existing IP, intellectual property, and uh, it is wearing it as a skin suit. Um, it is literally just putting it on. Uh, Halo Season 2 came out. That's why it came across my feed this week. It is just dressing up communist propaganda into a skin suit of things that people like. Yep. Um, and uh, I argue with my boss at my day job about this all the time when he's on the left communist side of the spectrum um in more ways than one and he's you know why do you care about what they do and if they change the source material to me it's all about intent it's them it's these communist assholes admitting that if they just wrote the story how they want to write it without dressing it up in a pre-existing ip that people like nobody would watch it 
there's no mandate for anything that they're creating. So that's my trash trend, IP skin suits, and uh, we'll probably do that quite a bit on this show, but what, hopefully what blows it'll be my dying mind, out at some point. What blows my mind with these moves from Hollywood, whether it's Halo, uh, you know, Rings of Power, I, I mean, I could have been sitting in that room and, and told the studio exec right then there's, I can literally guarantee you that this is going to fail. And it, it's a little bit bewildering because you would think these people got to these positions, you know, we, we call them dumb, but they're not entirely dumb that they, they are intelligent. They understand how the industry works and anybody with, you know, two eyes and ears can tell you that, look, man, who do you think your audience is watching Halo? These are a bunch of, you know, shit, shit lording boys who grew up talking shit to each other and, Master Chief is representative of that, their idealized version of that. And what you want to do is throw some diverse chick in there where that he follows know, around. Right. And it's just sort of like who who are you trying to placate to? And then as far as like sticking to the source material goes, and I, I love when they say, you know, it's fiction anyways. Why do you, why does it matter if you change the source material? It's because then why'd you pick the, it? <laughs> why, why'd you pick it? The source material is what matters to real fans in general. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you a great example. So with the rings of power, one of the ridiculous things they did in rings of power was there were just like black hobbits all of a sudden. And that, you know, there were <laughs> the black elves and people like, well, what does it matter? It's fiction. They're elves, you know, like, is it really that ridiculous to make them black? It's like, yes, because if you know anything about Lord of the Rings, you would know that there are continents with black people on them. Like, I can't remember what the Southern continent, the is South called. runs, yeah, South runs. A, yeah. Yeah. But, and, but that's the whole thing is that you're fucking that up. These aren't South yeah. runs. They exist, but they're not here in middle earth. This is supposed to be, you know, a fictional representation of early or prehistoric Europe. And yeah. what you're saying is, is that, well, yeah, a bunch. And it also just doesn't make sense. In a way, you want it to be believable. Like, obviously, we know that magic doesn't exist. But we all know that two white people are going to make a white person. But <laughs> the way this works in Rings of Power is black people sort of just pop up in these populations. Yeah. yeah. And it, it doesn't make sense. And it, it bothers people like me because it's just a distraction from the story. Because I'm sitting there, I'm like... That doesn't happen. Not yep. not even in fictional worlds, that doesn't happen. <clears throat> One of my favorite terms, um, just creative terms and words in general, is verisimilitude. Um, oh, and God. it's basically the, the appearance or feeling of something being real that is not real. Uh, and that's exactly what, you know, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings did a fantastic job of. Uh, Denis Villeneuve's Dune probably even one-upped it, not necessarily in terms of quality, but in terms of this world feeling like a real mm -hmm. place. And to your point, all of those little things go into it. When you see people in this southern environment that just comes into the Lord of the Rings trilogy at one little point, because Sauron is implied to have enslaved these people, they're, they look Arabic, they look like they're darker skinned, they're swarthy features. Um, when, when you're dealing with a, a mythical race, that are the elves that are literally based on the mythology of the Nords, Nordic, Nordic peoples, then they're going to be pale. They're going to be fair skinned. Uh, humans are going to be a little bit more diverse looking. It's, 
it, it takes you out of it. It suspends, it, it makes it impossible for you to suspend your disbelief. And, uh, you know, your average kind of film goer or show watcher is not thinking verisimilitude when they're watching something, but they are thinking what you just said. They're like, this just doesn't make sense. This, this right. feels fake. It doesn't feel real. And I'll even take a shot. I, I praised Peter Jackson. I'll take a shot at him. He totally forgot this with the Hobbit trilogy. Yep, because when he, he came did. in back for the Hobbit trilogy, he put everybody on an effing green screen, put a bunch of fake trees on a set, and he was shocked that nobody liked watching Legolas jump around and do cool shit in 2010 when they loved watching him do it in 2001. And it's because it looked real in 2001. So right. you put him in the woods and had him shoot arrows at stuff, and it looked awesome. It still looks awesome. So well, it's the same mistake that George Lucas made uh, with yep. the, the prequels. The first one, minimal CGI. Is at least it was probably even between practical yeah. effects and CGI, and then it was just like practical effects exploded all over your face. I mean, he even he didn't even make the the stormtroopers. Well, I guess they were clone troopers in, in the second and third movie. They were all CGI. It was just all of them. And you're like, yeah. bro. I mean. And that kind of goes back to a little bit to the corporatization of Hollywood because they're saving money. Practical effects are typically more expensive than, you know, some some 24-year-old bro is pumping these out on his Mac computer. But even CGI has suffered over the years. I think that's yep. what really pisses me off. Yep. That's why CGI can be a great thing if used sparingly. It's It's got to be used for things that don't exist in the real world, I think. Uh, Want to grab our last uh, ad, and then we'll we'll go to um, let's do it. Our other topics. What do we got here? Last couple. We got no bugs beef. Badlanders have set no bugs beef on fire. Have you ordered yet? Let's face facts. America's supply chain is going to be increasingly disrupted in the coming months, which means it's not if we'll have a food shortage; it's when. Having enough protein to feed your family for several months is essential for your survival. That's why we've partnered with No Bugs Beef. They provide sous vide, freeze-dried, all-American beef from ranches in Texas that never, ever given their cows an mRNA jab. The beef stored in Mylar bags with oxygen absorbers for maximum shelf life will stay shelf-stable for more than 10 years without refrigeration and with maximum nutrition and flavor. All you need to do is soak it in water for 15 minutes and it's ready to eat. These are not typical survival meats. They're premium cuts of ribeye, New York strip, tenderloins, sirloin, and chuck. Get your family ready for the chaos at badlandsmedia.tv slash nobugs. Use the promo code BADLANDS for an additional 10% off your order. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash nobugs, promo code BADLANDS. Yeah, don't yeah. don't listen to Bill Gates. Don't, don't eat no, bug no, no. meat. <laughs> um, and I believe our last sponsor is ourselves. Oh, yeah, Badlands Shop. Badlands Shop. All right. Welcome to the Badlands Media Shop, where we've partnered with Patriot companies to offer products for just about every category of life. Browse the virtual shopping aisles and rest assured knowing that your purchases align with your values. Shop with peace of mind, avoiding woke companies with woke principles while supporting your favorite podcasters. Whether you're shopping for everyday household items or a unique gift for that special someone, skip the big box store, head over to the Badlands Shop for the first time to support a Patriot business and Badlands with every purchase. From boomerangs, yes, those boomerangs, to gun holsters, children's books, to pet food. We have just about everything. We're just getting started. Thank you, Badlanders, for your continued support and patriotism, as we couldn't do this without you. Go to badlandsmedia.tv slash shop and support us by supporting the businesses that support us. And if you don't want to shop in Badlands, why don't you support burning bright and Julian's rum by throwing us a like I need to, we need to make a video of you like shivering and throw some Sarah McLaughlin 
music over it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, for just one like, like a day, get... you can support Burning Bright. <laughs> right. You can save it. You could save a bright of your own. <laughs> oh, yeah. on that note, let's dive into trad trends. So this one for me, I'm, I'm not going to do a screen share. It, it'll speak for itself. Uh, Nikki Haley getting absolutely piss missiled in every single primary. I It'll never get old. I, I mean, what did she lose by? Something like 40 plus points in Michigan. I, I can't remember what the differential was, but it, it was an obscene amount. A lot. Yeah. A lot. And it's going to continue to happen. I saw a, a post from Trump on, on True Social where it, it, the outlook for her is equally as bleak. But like I said last episode, I hope she stays in. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun watching yep. her get absolutely manhandled in all of these races. She likes getting manhandled. According she to a lo- lot of she does. I'll, I'll, what was the tweet? 12 guys? 12 guys down, one to go. <laughs> I don't know what she was talking about. Jesus. But but it, it's really been enjoyable. So I'd just like to thank you, Nikki Haley, for being the, the cringe neocon uh, that we all love to laugh at. This it, We talked about this too, but again, I'm just dead convinced that she is playing some kind of role where she's the totem for what the GOP used to be in the Bush yeah. years that, you know, yeah. she represents because one of the things that she does that that's really odd that even like Jeb Bush had the wherewithal to do, you know, he, he had enough political savvy to be like, you know, Oh, we don't support endless war. Uh, you know, we, we don't support illegal immigrants. And then once he got in office, he would of course support endless war and illegal immigrants. Nikki Hill isn't even doing that. She's, she's just like, let all the illegals in, let's send trillions of dollars (laughs) to the Ukraine, (laughs) bomb the shit out of them. It's like, it's like a cartoon character. You're absolutely right. It's perfect. And that's why, man, you can't like, it does, it does get to a certain point with some of these people. And she's a great example of it where it it's harder Speaking of verisimilitude and suspension of disbelief, it is harder to suspend your disbelief about her working against us than with us. I mean, if she is working against us, um, man, they just, you know, she had to be baited in some way. You know, if there's people being, strings being cut or levers being pulled behind the scenes by patriots, they're putting these, these, they're putting these people that they know are going to act this way into these positions, you know, which is a different kind of control. Mm -hmm. But it's uh, it's bizarre watching somebody get like you said, manhandled and just just pounded and bukkakeed all over the place in these <laughs> primaries. And uh, don't look that up, kids. Do no. not look that up. Um, and then doing victory laps about her performances. Right, she's literally bragging about silver medal every time. Yeah, it's uh, it's strange. It's 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 strange and disconcerting, but I'm here for it too. I like it. Yeah, I hope it keeps going. You know, as a reminder, we have Super Tuesday coming up, so I'm pretty sure that's going to be uh, one for the books for old Nikki Haley. So yep. hopefully we get some good content out of that. All right, what's your trad trend? My trad trend is pretty broad. I'm not going to share my screen either. Um, I, I was trying to think about this. You sort of touched on it earlier where you said, you know, people want good stories. We talk about culture, but I think that this can be applied to every theater of American culture right now. Um, and that is a first principles approach to culture creation, first principles in general. Um, basically what I mean is whatever your politics are, whatever your social views are, having a first principles foundational approach to the creation of whatever it is you are creating, uh, is the way forward. 
And I think that the white pill here is that it is happening. It's happening everywhere, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we, we comment on the collapse of woke retardation a lot, but the only reason that that is collapsing on the one side is because something is organically rising to supplant it and, and, and fracture those foundations. You know, so first principles approach in movie making, for example, is what we talked about earlier. Denis Villeneuve just being like, you know what? I'm making a uh, an adaptation of an iconic fantasy novel that takes place on a desert planet called Arrakis, right? Does Arrakis exist? Of course not. It's not a real place. But what does Denis Villeneuve decide to do? He takes big-ass expensive cameras and a film crew, and he goes to Tunisia, and he films in the desert. Yep. And it looks incredible, right? And it's a first principles approach. That's what they used to do. That's what they did in the 50s and 60s, in the, in the heyday of cinema, right? So... And then pot, what we're doing right here, right? Is it is it lighting the world on fire? Hopefully. But even if it's not, just podcasting, people that have watched these kind of shows, podcasting has risen because it's just regular people talking about stuff regular people care about in a way that regular people talk to each other. They don't do that shit where they get on CNN or Fox and they do that weird like inflection thing of yep. how they talk to you like tonight on fox news we're going to tell you about like it's there's got to be some kind of mind control cia mockingbird stuff involved with just the way well, they you know speak there to is you. yeah there's got to be um so there there's first principles approach to everything first principles approach to marriage to voting to politics to finances to uh to culture um and and that's it i mean it's a it's a big broad trad trend but I think most people don't even know that they're doing that when they are, when you are rejecting the false reality, as Chris Paul calls it, you're embracing a first principles approach. And um, I use the word radiate a lot in my writing. When you embrace a first principles approach, it radiates outward and yep. it, it literally attracts power to you. It attracts people to you who then start mimicking that and they become their own their own uh, first principles movers. 100%. This reminds me, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but when Toy Story, so regardless of how you feel about Disney or Pixar, when they originally, you know, launched Toy Story and Bugs Life, that was phenomenal storytelling. I I, I don't I don't care where, where you sit in the political spectrum. Toy Story was great storytelling. Bugs Life was great storytelling. Mm -hmm. What happened in the years following Toy Story was these other studios wrongly assumed that the reason that Toy Story and A Bug's Life were such huge hits with audiences is because of the CGI animation. So what right. a lot of these other studios did is they just made piece of shit films that were digitally animated, but they weren't succeeding like Toy Story was. And they couldn't figure it out until Shrek came along. And that was good storytelling. They realized like, oh, we were just we were pumping out shit stories and we thought that no one would notice. Turns out people did. Yeah. Uh, and that's that first principles approach. It's like if you don't have solid storytelling to work from, then everything else after it doesn't matter. It just doesn't right. matter. Absolutely. One of the other things you brought up, too, that's worth mentioning is how conservatives typically lack, you know, the, the, the creative bench that the left has. There's actually a psychological reason for that. So Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot which I found it really interesting. Conservatives on the whole are what he categorizes as conscientious people. They're people who, who love order. You know, they're going to be the people who they don't create the company, but they run the company. 
Right. Now on on the left, those are more the entrepreneurial creative types. They're typically more open. You know, they ideas interest them a lot more. Change interests them a lot more. So they fall on the left of the spectrum. The problem with people like me and you, so I love art. I love being creative. I love all this gay shit. Uh, and it's tough for me. Clipping, clipping it. You're getting clipped. <laughs> yeah, We're going to use clipped. that ruthlessly. But, but <laughs> you know, what sucks, though, is at the same time, I feel like someone without a home in a way, only in the sense that it's hard for me to relate. I, I can't relate to leftists at all because I, I'm able yeah. to see all of their insanity, all their inauthenticity. But then conservatives, at least in the working world, have more of a problem relating to me in the sense that, you know, when I bitch about all these things with you know, creative direction and whatever movie or book or TV show it might be, it's something that they can't relate to as much. I don't think they care about as much. And yeah. and that's one of the biggest problems I think that conservatives face moving forward is what we're talking about with Ben Shapiro and his conning crew is like, oh, well, what we're going to do is we're just going to churn out, you know, conservative movies. And it's like, no, we just nobody just likes make, those. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who gets this better than anyone and, and who I can relate to in this sense is Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson mm -hmm. is obviously a creative. However, he also understands the value of uh, tradition, authenticity, good storytelling. Yeah, he, he fucked up. Who, who doesn't? We all have. Say what you want about him. He gets it. And I, I'm so grateful that we have a great filmmaker like him, quote unquote, on our side. Yeah, totally, man. I, I it, it reminds me of, you know, the masculine feminine, the yin, the yang, the yin, yeah, the yin, yin, yang. Um, and it, it also reminds me of, uh, you know, I, I would, I would say that conservative versus sort of uh, left-wing ideology, it, it reminds me of order versus chaos. You, you use the term order there, which I agree with on the conservative side. Um, I would say that, uh, chaos has a negative connotation, but chaos is creativity, uh, chaos, uh, ideas, uh, creating something is is ordering chaos. Yes. But in order to order that chaos, you have to pull that chaos out of the void. People like you and I are very attracted to chaos. I'm attracted to new ideas. I'm attracted to new things. Um, I, I like ordering those new things. In my personal life, I'm very organized. My office is organized. Things are organized. My files are organized, right? But I'm creative in my mind. I like to think about new things. Mm -hmm. I like to see things presented in new ways. I like fiction way more than uh than reality um I, I only started writing about reality because it's more fictional than fiction these days <laughs> yeah. so it's really entertaining Especially right? in 2024 um, but my point here is that the perfect fusion of human expression is the is the fusion of that and what the the system has done is it has separated us it said that there are left or left wings and wingers and there are right wingers there is order focus people and there is chaos focus people mm -hmm. and unfortunately a lot of them have started to believe it you can you can believe in a first principles approach and you can believe in the constitutional law and you can be an america first conservative patriot god-fearing going to church on sundays and you can love the lord of the rings and you can love right. artistic expression and you can have no problem with the way people express themselves uh you know that are more out there uh with with how they express themselves whether that's sexually whether that's emotionally whether that's in art or anything like that um, but the problem is the left has also been brainwashed into 
just keep pushing the bounds, push all yep. cultural norms, destroy it, destroy all forms of order. And that's not the answer either. The, Wait, the which answer ironically is, uh, is has, has stifled their creativity Yes, because they put themselves into these thinking boxes that, and it, it's like a religion it, yep. in a sense, they, they've, they built this dogma that they are not allowing themselves to branch out from. And you can see that in the end product it, it none of it is compelling. It's just coming off as zealotry. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, on that note, we can, I know we're running up on time here. We can bust into limp Hollywood. My, my nomination for this week isn't so much Hollywood. I don't know if some of y'all have seen this yet. I, I caught it from lives of tick TikTok, and I was just blown away. I had to actually go read the article to, to see if it was, uh, if it was true. Let's see. Mm. Okay, so West End Play, this is in London, tells white theater goers they are, they are not welcome as it hosts all-black audience nights at Kit Harrington Production to protect ticket holders from the white gaze. <laughs> the white gaze. I, I, wow. I just, I, you, it's to your point, you can't make this shit up anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, it's blatantly <laughs> racist. Uh, here's a yep. quote from the, uh, the playwright. I can't remember what his name is. He was a bitch what? in Game of Thrones, and he's a bitch now. He says, oh, yeah, Kit Harrington, for sure. Yeah. It, it, that's what's funny to me, is they banned white people from it, but they, they still yeah. got white people on stage. Jon Snow, <laughs> the whitest yeah, person Jon Snow, get. yeah, exactly. Oh, worst actor Playwright, in the show, too, by the way. Playwright O'Harris told BBC Sounds yesterday he was excited to put on Nights in the West End where tickets were only sold to people who identified as black. That also identified as black. So, yes, he actually said that. So I technically we could still go. We just have to nice. like, identify. I, the Caucasian man, identify as black. Um, <laughs> he said one of the things we have to remember is that people have to be radically invited, radically invited into a space to know that they belong there. And in most places in the West, poor people and black people have been told that they do not belong inside the theater. For me, as someone who wants and yearns for black and brown people to be in the theater, who comes from a working class environment, who wants people who do not make six figures to feel like theater is a place for them. It is a necessity to radically invite them in with initiatives that say you're invited specifically you. First of all, can we talk about the fact that he's shitting on black and brown people by assuming that they don't make six figures right out of the gate, uh, which again, these people are always hilariously ironic with yeah. everything that they say. Uh, and then, you know, people pointed out to him how incredibly racist this is. He said, uh, white audience in the West have decided to stay quiet and respond with politeness to anything they see in front of them. He said, though, he said it wasn't always that way in the past. I, I, everything he says is just bullshit. It, it's blatantly racist. It's obviously meant to divide people. It, it's made to make people like me and you look like racist for pointing out how racist this actually is. Uh, and somewhere else, he said something along the lines of, well, white people have their spaces and no one says anything about that. It's like, bro, no, we don't No, No, we don't No, <laughs> Literally no one is dumb enough to throw up a whites only sign. Okay. It, it, especially like, do you really think that's going on in the UK? Uh, American society is whites only. It's part of the institutionalized control structures that they've programmed us into man. <laughs> You're right. It's just a regurgitation of yeah. the same lines. That's all they can do is, is is think in terms of sound bites. Yep, that's why I am racist. I'm racist against communists. Communists are a <laughs> race of bug people to me. Um, worthless, completely bugs. worthless, unworthy of any attempts at salvation. 
Um, and I hate communists. I, I hate all. How do you really feel? <laughs> yeah. yeah, my my version of Limp Hollywood. I want to direct this message at Brad Getz and CanCon of Badlands Media. Okay, share my screen here. The acolyte lead Amanda Stenberg says Disney Plus series will quote. Honor the ethos of Star Wars and ideas around the Force and also challenge them. And there it is. Star Wars is dead. It is. It's dead. It's dead and buried and now they are necrophila uh, necrophilizing its corpse. That's what they are doing to it. CanCon still watches Disney's communist Star Wars unironically wow. and he has to stop or we can't respect him anymore. Enough is enough. This is what's going on here. Brad is savable. Brad's too nice. That's the problem with him. So he wants to like this complete cultural subversion that is happening right here. And let's just take a look at some ganders here. The Acolyte, new Star Wars theory. Looks very Star Wars-ian right there. You got the girl boss. You got the modern girl boss. Uh, here we go, right down here. You got the lesbian uh racially amorphous <laughs> sort of is it male is it female is it black is it white does she work at a, starbucks what's going on here you got the weave you got an androgynous thingy going on here who's this oh is this the lead showrunner of the new star wars series on disney plus is that leslie headland was she the personal assistant to harvey weinstein who scheduled all of his one-on-ones that we know all about from years ago is she the one who's leading this pro-feminist propaganda in the new world who was allegedly an accessory to sex crimes in hollywood mm -hmm. i mean i don't know maybe is that kathleen kennedy the who hates white men uh strong male characters uh desecrated the corpse of george lucas's creation um anyway star wars is dead it's been oh, it's desecrated been it, it's been dead a long time and you gotta accept it the sooner you accept it the sooner these communists lose their power over you. So that's that. My, that's my plea. I love you, CanCon. I love you, Brad. You have to join the light. You can't. You can't keep thinking that they're gonna turn it around, man. Like there's a there's John Favreau. There's a civil war. Dave Filoni. I've been hearing for five effing years. The protege of George Lucas is gonna lead Star Wars into the future and save it. Dave Filoni is a furry. He's a male. He's a self-described male feminist who would be the exact type of guy that would use terms like white male gaze. His most famous creation in Star Wars is the female character Ahsoka, who never existed in the lore of Star Wars, nope. who is the best ever, who has been retconned into all of Lucas's Star Wars history. And you know what? Lucas signed off on it because he's a cuck bitch. He sold he out for billions of dollars. He's a bitch. He used to be somebody. Now he's just a bitch. And uh, let it go. Just let it go. Enjoy the original stuff. Watch Dune, which is the adult version of Star Wars anyway, and, uh, you know, just let it go. You know what sucks, what though, is, is I, I can't even enjoy the original. Like, I was a huge Star Wars fan growing up. You know, I was part of that generation where they did all those re-releases in theaters in the mid-90s, and I, I got addicted to it. Now, it, it's not even just the fact that they've gone so woke. It's just that they've gone woke, and you can't look left or right without seeing star Wars somewhere. You go to any store, it's just star Wars over the, all over the place, over corporatized. It's the most literal representation of beating a dead horse. There is star Wars yeah. is a dead horse and they are now just beating the shit out of it. And, and I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear 
any more defenses of George Lucas and how they took his creation and desecrated it. He sold it to them for disgusting amounts of money. Yeah. And then when it blew up on his legacy, it blew up in his face. Now he's crying about it uh, for the last few years. So, I mean, maybe someday somebody will bring it back in the future. But if they ever do it, they got to go to the Old Republic or something like that. But I'm just <laughs> saying, in order in order for Star Wars to ever come back, what it in its current iteration, including Dave Filoni, needs to be completely rejected. Wholesale rejected. Not, I'll watch a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I'll watch this. I'll just try a little bit of crack. I'll just try a little bit of communism. <laughs> I'll just try a little bit of, you know, gay sex or something like that. It's like, no, don't try any of it. Just, just, just let it go. Put it down. Come back to it in 10 years and we'll see. We'll check in on it. See, that's how my, my wife, she gets mad at me now because I won't give these shows the time of day. She's like, well, you haven't even seen it yet. I was like, I know exactly what it's going to be and I'm not giving yep. it a single minute of my watch. Yep, never but, tried crack. Don't plan to. Don't don't, don't plan to. on doing it. I know exactly I, what it is. We're running up on time here, so I'll, I'll keep <laughs> mine pretty quick on Holly Hope. Um, but I I did want to say uh, that Shogun. I don't know if you caught the first two episodes. Have not seen it yet. I've been saving it. Oh, okay. I was thoroughly impressed. Awesome. Uh, highly recommend to everybody watching out there. Uh, it's streaming on Hulu now. The first two episodes were. Great dialogue. One of the things I was really worried about was, are they going to make all the Japanese people speak in English? They do not. It's all subtitles, so it's right up my alley. Uh, it, it's representing a very complex time in history, which makes it cool, but a little bit hard to follow at first. Uh, Japanese culture in and itself is very complex, complex, especially in the 1600s. Um, but it's an interesting juncture because this is when the Dutch and you know the English are fighting for influence in Japan while the Portuguese kind of had a monopoly on it. All that being said, I immediately looked up the, uh, the creator and the screenwriter I was like, okay, this obviously isn't a, a woke idiot who made this. Turns out Justin Marks uh, made this show. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He was one of the lead writers on Top Gun Maverick. And oh, fantastic. That, that, well, yeah, there you go. First tracked. principles yep. approach, right? Just keep it yep. simple. Keep it simple, stupid. I mean, that's, yeah. That's, I'm glad to hear that. I've kind of been saving it because if it was good, I want, uh, I sort of want to marathon a bunch of them in a row. Yeah, I, I, I can't um, wait to hear your opinion on this. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you're going to have plenty. I love Japanese culture. It's it's my favorite. Same. I mean, it's it's a, I was obsessed with Japanese culture as a kid, got into martial arts. I love all that stuff. And uh, yeah, look, you know, what we're talking about all show, Shogun's based on a very beloved novel. And it turns out if you yep. just do that, it's good. Like, well, that's what I, 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 I've maintained that like really the only good shows and movies you see now are almost always based on source material, assuming that right. they stick to it. Right, you're right. But yeah. it's heavily dependent on that. Uh, mine is going to be predictable. I uh, I waited for the week of. Just uh, let's let's show the people this shot. The duel between Fade Rautha Harkonnen and Paul Muad'Dib Atreides for the fate <laughs> of the known universe happens this week, and Dune Two comes out. It's it's going to save our culture. It's going to put us on the path towards saving our culture. And it, it dovetails perfectly with that Star Wars rant I just went on. Because again, Dune is Star Wars for adults. Um, it's Star Wars for people who do not enjoy communist subversion of everything that they once held dear. Uh, everybody can get something out of this movie. It's unironically diverse. 
It has strong women characters. It has men characters. It has people who are good, people who are bad, and people who are in between. And but uh, I'm looking the diversity makes sense. I just want to yes. reiterate that it sticks to the source material. It's not like they just threw a bunch of brown and black people in. You know, like Arrakis is supposed to be people by people from North Africa and the Middle East originally. Yep. So that's what they look like. You don't see us bitching about it because, Racist. again, that's how it was in the book. Yep. All right, I'll grab some rants before we get out of here. We got a home slice G said, if I mentioned that my wife had great cake in front of a large audience, she would not be happy. She'll get over it. Get yourself a wife that's proud of um, proud of cake, the cake, cake, man. Cake, cake. That's spoken like a man who's not getting enough cake at home. <laughs> so you got to work on that home slice. But thanks for the uh, thanks for the rant. Have her watch this. See if she changes her mind. K.H. Jacobs says, Our 20-year-old loved Oppenheimer. We've introduced him to older, thoughtful movies like Dead Poets Society over the years. So glad you're a Badlander, JR. Been following you a long time. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Got to start them young. Kids like good stories no matter no matter what generation they're in. And then Desert Ram 45 sent 10 bucks over, said, Great show, fellas. Loving the format and the shit talking. And it will continue. It will continue. Uh, so yeah, anybody else who, uh, if you guys want to submit a, a late boost, if you're watching uh, on replay, hit the thumbs up, please. And uh, we will grab boosts next week now that they are all working properly. But uh, yeah, thanks a lot, guys. That was a lot of fun. Appreciate it, y'all. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.